I am Neil Edwards, and this is The Leadership Range, where we elevate the voices of black and brown coaches and allies and have soulful conversations about all things at the intersections of leadership, team and relationships, well-being, and inclusion. Today's guest is Ayana Jordan. We are going to talk about inclusion and isolation in leadership roles. Ayana is an expert human resources professional and coach and has 20 years of leader-level work and real lived experience. Listen as she breaks it down and offers her jewels of wisdom. Let the conversation begin. Welcome, Ayana. Good to have you well, here thank today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and I appreciate such an exciting introduction. So, you know, I invited you to be a guest here, and let's just start with what made you say yes? To this? Like, why now do you want to put your voice out into the world? Well, first, Neil, I, I wanted to say yes, simply because you asked. And I'll be very honest when I say I'm very thoughtful about the people I decide to have conversations with and spend time with when it comes to sharing my thoughts around coaching, HR, anything, inclusion and diversity. So I said yes, because you specifically asked and you're social media presence, your openness about coaching, openness about your personal life, your family, your coaching business, internal as a coach, all of those things allowed me to say yes, because I personally trusted that you would hold a safe space and that this work matters to you. So really, truly, that's why I say yes. Well, wow. Well, it's an honor to have you and, and thank you for those kind words. So, you know, my, my philosophy is everyone is a leader. And, and you've been in mm -hmm. corporate America for almost 20 years. Right. Might you share with our listeners a little bit about your own leadership journey and um, the range of your leadership and how it's evolved over your time as a professional? Wow, that makes me smile to hear it's been almost 20 years, which is true. I actually got into the leadership and development space in HR in college. I decided to go the non-traditional route and I didn't want to get a job at a mall or I didn't want to get a job doing anything other than trying to understand what the corporate space was about. So to be very transparent, especially with this audience, back in the day, I'll say, when I was in college, there was a program out called Inroads. Neil, are you familiar with that Inroads program? I am. <laughs> right. So here I am, wet behind the ears, a young lady from North Philadelphia, grew up in the inner city uh, with um, the lack of people in my family who really had professional corporate jobs, but most of my family worked in a hospital or um, in non-corporate settings. So I was very interested when En-ROADS approached me. So here I am, 18 or 19 years old at the time, which is why you can say I've been in HR almost 20 years, <laughs> because I really started at 19 or 20, to be very honest. And I got into a position with Aetna uh, U.S. Healthcare in Pennsylvania, and it changed my life. I'll, I'll just be very clear to say working for Aetna changed my life. And then later on, getting an opportunity to work for Lockheed Martin, two companies that I respect very, very much. And for me, opened the doors to me finding myself as a individual contributor and as a leader. Within Lockheed Martin, I joined a program called their HR Leadership Development Program. And I was also able to help bring in Rhodes students in. You know, over the years in Rhodes, has changed and has morphed and, you know, they're not as popular, I would say, as they were 18 or 19 years ago. But I bring that up to say En-ROADS philosophy was around bringing inclusion into the workplace, bringing students of color from underrepresented areas into spaces that they didn't belong. 
So I really appreciate you asking me this question because I hadn't thought about how their commitment to inclusion got me in the corporate world. So many years ago. So many years ago, right? So, yeah, so yeah. long story short, I started my career as an HR professional and I grew up in a space within Lockheed Martin and other organizations where I was an HR generalist. And as a generalist, I got to support leaders who were trying to be their best leaders to their employees and to help people communicate effectively. And throughout my life as an HR person, I accidentally fell into the coaching space when one of my leaders at another company said that I was coaching. And that organization sponsored me to go through coaching school. And here I am today as the owner and founder of Ayana Coaches LLC, where I get to do work that I love every day, coaching leaders, individuals, and even other coaches to really live out their dreams. Wow. You know, what I, what I love about that story is that from the very beginning, when you entered Inroads, mm -hmm. and I don't remember exactly how you said it, but you started pulling others into it as well. And, yeah. and that's what coaches do. Coaches really try to elevate other human beings, you know, so you've always been a coach in my mind, just based on that story <laughs> that you, you shared with me. So, you know, Thanks. thank you for being a leader from the beginning and elevating the voices of black and brown people. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So Ayana, we, we talked about this. We thought about two topics for our conversation today, and I'm going to pick one. Okay. And, you know, maybe you'll come back and, and we'll, we'll have a conversation about the second one. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to talk about today is inclusion and isolation in leadership roles. The other topic, just to lure you back into another episode, is lack of inclusion at the leadership level and stories of failed inclusion attempts. Mm. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that one for another time. But for today, inclusion and isolation in leadership roles. So tell us a little bit about what exactly that means from your perspective. You know, Neil, thanks for asking that. And the way I'd love to sum up this podcast is really what we talk about is isolated inclusion. And I'm so grateful for your first prompting question about, you know, how did my journey start? Because I hadn't been thinking about inroads as I thought about recording this. But that's a great example and a great segue actually into what it means to be an isolated inclusion. Because when I really think about the purpose of what Inroads was almost 20 years ago when I went through the program, Inroads was a nonprofit organization that knew that minorities, brown people, Asian people, Latina uh, folks, people who were non-white employees, we needed a seat at the table. And there was a huge research done to say that there was not a lot of us, right? So one of the biggest things that I remember is feeling like I was so grateful for having that opportunity but being the only 19 or 20 year old brown person in sight <laughs> when I walked into my first, first role. And so while you're so privileged to be there, something that I think we should talk about today is how at points it feels lonely when there's not a lot of people like you. Mm -hmm. And so Neil, though we hired a couple in-road students in human resources, I was probably the only one at that time. So I guess I can remember from my first experience being both grateful and a little bit nervous and scared that I felt like people were looking at me differently because I was young and also because I was a black woman. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I have a, <laughs> now I get it. So I, okay. you know, just to, just to share, you know, I, I spent a lot of years in client service in management consulting with some pretty mm -hmm. large firms and in 2000 and 
2015. It was December 2015, and I'm going to age myself a little bit. But I, mm -hmm. I counted about six other black men that I had mm. worked with internally or as clients in management or higher roles <laughs> yep. between the late 90s and 2015. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, inclusion and isolation for me <laughs> as well. And, you know, I just love and I appreciate that. And I'll say it to you as a black male, when I see you, I see a black male. But when I get to know you, I understand that there's more depth to where you come from as a person not born in the United States. Mm -hmm. But when I see people of color in corporate America, whether man or female, it's like the secret knot. We do like, hey, what's up? Like, how are you? Like, I want to talk to you. And as I've grown up in the world of coaching, even being in different ICF events, I don't often see a lot of black males. And when I do, I get so excited that it's like I run up to them so that we can get to know each other. And over the years, I've seen many more African-American women or people of color, you know, within those events. And so that, that's a great conversation when you talk about isolated inclusion, because there's this level of excitement that if you're not identifying as a brown person or a minority, you might not even understand. And I often wonder and think, what if it was all of us and one or two of others that are non-minorities, how would they feel? Because I constantly feel like that's a feeling that I've experienced every day since my first job. Yeah, it's so common. It's, you know, it's like uh, breathing air, at least in my experience, <laughs> because I've been, you know, I've been in, in corporate America for a long time. And uh, you mentioned ICF, the International Coach Federation, which which we both belong to as as professionals in in the vocation. I went to um, it's called a Global Leadership Forum a number of years ago. I was on a board uh, for ICF as well, and I attended this Global Leadership Forum. And there were over two hundred participants in this forum mm -hmm. from ICF chapters all over the world. And there were, I think there were three or four black people. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember that I rem feeling. How did that feel? <laughs> I remember looking up and I, I <laughs> said to my friends next to me, I said, you know, uh, the white colleague, I said, wow, where are all of the black coaches? Where are all of the black <laughs> But, um, you know, I'm aware of it. And sometimes I just, you know, I go about my business and I do what I do. But periodically, you just look up and you realize, wow, I, I'm isolated here. Yeah. I'm, I'm included and I am isolated. I, I love how you frame this. So what do you think might be driving this at the root? What creates this situation that seems persistent, particularly in, in corporate America? So what might be driving it? So the it we're talking about for our listeners is what might be driving isolated inclusion. Mm -hmm. And I'll start with saying I think it's a truly a lack of privilege and a lack of thoughtfulness. And by privilege, I mean, it's easy for anybody, ourselves included, not to really stop and think about, do we have enough representation here? And when you're sometime at a privileged space or role, it's not top of mind for you to say, let me take a look around and make sure that ideas are represented and beyond ideas that genders are represented that um, sexual preferences are represented, that ages are represented, and more importantly, color is represented. Mm -hmm. 
And I think when you're at privilege, you don't have to be thoughtful. And I think when you've never been Mm -hmm. one in the room, you don't have to be as thoughtful. So Mm -hmm. I think driving at the root of this is people surviving without us or doing business as normal without us. And then you have things like the most recent Black Lives Matter, for instance, that make people wake up and shake them up and say, oh, man, you know, look at what happened to Breonna Taylor or George Floyd or Mr. Arbery. Like what happened to all of these people? And it makes you say, oh, we need to have more diversity. We need to be more inclusive on our teams. And, oh, we need more Black people or, oh, we need more minorities or, oh, we need more of something. So I think... If I give nothing else to, to our listeners here, it's to stop and be thoughtful, especially when, when you have privilege, because I think that's the root of why you have isolated inclusion. Mm-hmm. Until somebody steps up and says, we need an inroads because there's not enough brown people. Until someone steps up and looks at their senior leadership team and notices that it's been a certain way for so long, until somebody has the courage to do or say something about it, I think we're going to be stuck in that route. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. You know what? What comes up for me as I listen to this, and all of the opportunities to include brown people, or include women, or you know, go through the dimensions of diversity here. The question that comes up for me is not just include them, but then what? Yeah. Not just being physically present, um, but how. How do these voices enter mm. the conversation? That's that's what's stirring in me right now as I listen to it, not just the numbers game that's been played for so many years. I'm wondering who is impacted by inside organizations in this space of inclusion and isolation when this is true, when inclusion and isolation is true mm-hmm. in an organization what does it do inside the organization? Who's impacted and how? Wow, powerful question. Who's impacted, honestly, I think are many of the minority employees as first and foremost, in my opinion. But honestly, the whole staff, the whole team, and even our stakeholders and customers are impacted because lack of inclusion to me equals lack of creativity. Lack of creativity equals lack of different and new solutions. And lack of solutions equal lack of growth. So I think we can only grow and go so far when you don't have true, inclusive, diverse workforces. So everybody is impacted. And even more, I'll say this for any people and organizations who are out there saying, I want to be more inclusive. I want to be more diverse. Take a good look at what's on the inside because it's impacting who decides to sign up for your organization. And as I've grown more courageous and bold and thought about my career and companies I applied to, if I don't see enough of people that look like me, I don't want to go because I've had over 15 years of being the only one isolated and it doesn't feel good. But I've also had several years in companies that are progressive, large organizations that do government contracting, where I know what it feels like to not be isolated and not be the only one. And now that I've had a taste of that, I never want to go back to being the only one. So I invite all organizations, all companies, all people who have leadership influence to don't brag about that diversity position that you have open, to not brag about we want to have more of people if you're only going to bring in one person. 
because numbers matter and nobody wants to be lonely. Wow. Yeah. The, the, the numbers matter. And, you know, as you spoke about growth, a couple of things came to mind uh, for me. One, the growth of the organization, you know, businesses in, yeah. in this market economy are looking to, to grow and to make money and to see the numbers go up. Yeah. Uh, great new products and services. But I also thought about the people because you mentioned everybody, not just black and brown people, but the majority, majority white as well. When I heard growth, I thought organizations lose and individuals lose the richness of being steeped in diverse cultures yeah. um, with the creativity and the, the, the different points of view that come with it. I feel like it enriches everybody's lives. Mm. be it to experience other human beings so that's that's what came up for me as you were saying that that's beautiful what were you going to say I was going to say it does and I have a wonderful client who I work with today who's also a coach and he always says Ayana I like different I like difference and mm. I think everybody's impacted if we are not allowed an opportunity to be around different because we don't grow we don't learn we can't expand mm. our own palette of what's possible. So different matters and everybody's impacted because who doesn't want to go to an organization and and grow and learn and make even lifetime friends from people that we work with. Right. (laughs) You know, I, one of the um, approaches that I use in my, my coaching is organization and relationship systems coaching and the, the operative part in there uh, for this conversation is relationships across differences. Yeah. And one of, one of the notions that we we hold and we hold up as true is that there is joy in the difference. There is, yeah. Joy in the difference. And, and uh, another one is curiosity casts out fear. And these are the types mm. of things that allow us to, to operate across those differences and to enjoy the richness that exists in relationships where difference exists. So that's, oh. that's beautiful, beautiful. So if you're coaching a leader who is experiencing isolation, what are some of the things that you might work with them on as a coach? I think the very first thing that we do as coaches, which is why I love this profession, is something called clarity. And I just actually did this today with a client. It's let's get clear on what it is that you're really wanting, or let's get clear on what it is that you're really experiencing. So the first thing that I would do with this leader who might be experiencing isolation, sometimes they don't even really know that's what's wrong. They bring something else to the table. And as we dig and we talk more, they sometimes come to the conclusion that I am so grateful to have this opportunity, just like I was, but I don't feel like there's someone who I can really rely on that's champion and who I am. Even if they look different than me, I got here, but I don't feel supported. You ever felt like that, Neil, where you got somewhere, but you didn't feel the support once you got there? No, never. <laughs> of course. <laughs> like, where, where is my support? Where are my people? Like, you know, I need help. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just that whole conversation about even equity and equality and which comes first. And, you know, you can invite me to the ball game. You can invite me to the boardroom. But if my seat or my position is already at a disadvantage, I'm not going to enjoy the game if I can't see it. And so I think as I'm talking to and coaching our leaders who are saying that they're feeling some sort of isolation, we start with clarifying what's really going on for you. And then our second step, a real tangible step is what are you really wanting? And we go through the process of naming it. And we go through the process of, in our coaching school that Neil and I went to, it's called CTI. 
we learn about fulfillment. So we talk about what would fulfillment look like for you if you weren't feeling this way. And we also do some process coaching around what is the impact of this currently today that you're facing and that you may have faced in the future. And sometimes it takes many conversations and many sessions for people to really have a breakthrough. And the best gift I can give any client is the space for them for the first time, some of them, to have a conversation about really what's bugging them and to tell their stories. So I know as coaches, we ask people to bottom line and get to the point. But when a leader is in isolation, I don't do that. I say, share what you need to share. Let me hear and understand it. And I'm going to intrude with you and ask you to reflect on how you felt throughout this story. And sometime, Neil, even in today's coaching session that I did with a leader in this exact position, they can then have closure because they felt like they've processed what's really going on. And then we set goals around where they want to move forward. Sometimes they stay in those positions and, and they, they ask for more support. Other times they start taking a look around where would they feel less isolated. What's really going on? What's yeah, that's really the question. What's really going on? I love that. There's so, you know, for listeners, there's so many beautiful ways that coaches ask questions to draw out that clarity. And uh, one of the things I love about coaching is coaches get to bring their own personality into the conversation. I know that, you know, sometimes I ask when someone's really in this gray, muddy quagmire of confusion and they don't have clarity, I might ask something like, what are you longing for? Right. And it really draws deeply on, on a person's mind or their heart or their mm. spirit, whatever they need so that they can find the answer for themselves. So Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you for that tip. So for our listeners, leaders at all levels who who don't have a coach, they don't have an Ayana working with them <laughs> in this place of inclusion and who might be feeling some isolation and they're in that space, what might they do on their own to avoid it or to bounce back, you know, have a little bit of resilience from that isolation? What would you advise? One or two quick tips. Yeah, I think, I don't know that you can ever avoid it, but I'll go back to naming what's going on for you and finding a group of people that you can relate to both in and outside of your organization. They might not be in a leadership role because more often than none, there's not a lot of people in leadership roles, which is why you're isolated when you're a minority, sometime in some companies, not all. So understanding that Finding some folks outside of your organization that can mentor you and be of support is my number one thing. And then how do you bounce back from isolation? I think you start the conversation and you start talking to people because sometimes people don't even know we feel like that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest tips and, and things that I learned is I had to have an honest conversation with several organizations around why I did not want the leadership role in diversity and inclusion because I didn't want to be the only one and I didn't want to be pigeonholed into that that conversation opened up the doors for more discussion. So talk about it. Tell people what's going on for you and see who listens. Yeah, pigeonholing and isolation. I, I think that's another unique combination that we could have a, a far deeper conversation about at some point. So many great topics for the future. <laughs> yeah, so many. Yeah. So how can people get in touch with you, Ayana, if they want to work with you? Absolutely. They can find me on LinkedIn under Ayana Jordan. That's A-Y-A-N-A. -A. Last name is J-O-R-D-A-N. And they can also send me an email directly at Ayana 
at ayanacoaches.com. All right. Thank you for that. And we'll make sure we get your contact information attached and linked to this episode so people can find it easily uh, if they want to get in contact with you. Ayana, thank you so much for being here today. That was a beautiful conversation and I had some great tips for our listeners. And thank you for having me and for opening up the door to talk about isolation and inclusion in the same sentence. Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye for now. Bye for now. Inclusion and isolation in leadership roles often comes as a package driven by lack of thoughtfulness and the absence of support. Thank you so much, Ayana, for bringing your wisdom to the conversation. And thank you all for tuning into the Leadership Range. You can listen to new episodes every Monday wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can connect with me on linkedin.com backslash in backslash nedwards07. If you have a topic suggestion, send it to me at neil.neiledwardscoaching.com. That's neil at neiledwardscoaching.com. I look forward to you listening to the conversation next week.